What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Menace, alongside co-host Jack. And today, you are to the 140th episode of the Hogline Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back, Hogline Nation. Uh, today, Ryan Jeffrey joins us. Hello, Ryan. How's it going? It's going Welcome. well. Thank you Welcome for asking. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Today, we will be recapping and giving our analysis on a recent Dynasty Fantasy Football rookie draft. For the um, This is our, our Dynasty League that we've been doing. This will be our fifth season doing it, our fourth rookie draft. Um, so we'll be diving into the picks. And uh, we did a similar show uh, last season with the 2020 draft where we kind of recapped, we're going to talk about every single first round pick, a few second rounders, and then some guys that were drafted in the third and fourth um, that we'd like, that stood out to us that maybe have some sleeper potential or just our overall thoughts on that. Um, so we'll be, I mean, I, I we, we kind of discussed in the beginning what, what exactly we'll be saying about these guys, but we're going to be describing, we're saying who went at each uh, selection. I mean, at least I will be giving some uh, some notes on the prospects, and then we will kind of say how they will their fantasy impact for maybe year one going forward, and how they fit into the the context of each team that was selecting in that spot. Um, but we will be going, we'll be rotating who's talked about what, and we will, I guess, kick things off unless uh, you guys have anything else to add before we start. Let's start. Okay, Jack, thank you. We'll, we'll start then. We're going to start with the 101 selection. Um, and here it was uh, selected running back Najee Harris uh, out of Alabama, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What was it, 24th overall in the, uh, in the draft a, few, a couple months ago in April? Yep. Najee's pretty much, from what I've seen, the consensus 101 in most leagues. I guess you can say some uh, in, excuse me, this is a, this is a one quarterback league for any, just so we're um, making that clear. Uh, yeah. Set the record straight. Half PPR. Half PPR, 12 teams and uh, one quarterback. So Najee went one one He's pretty much the consensus of what I've been seeing over the past uh, couple of months as uh, the ADP has um, progressed over, over that time. Maybe Jamar Chase, I guess you could say, has uh, some leagues would have him, or maybe Pitts. But Harris went one to one here. Uh, Jack will be discussing him, and what what do you think about Najee here? Um, would was he would he be who you would have selected, and, and what are your thoughts? 
yes, he would. And not just because I'm, I love the Steelers and Najee Harris himself, but uh, you said it. He is a consensus one-on-one on a lot of rankings and a lot of rookie drafts you see out there. Um, justifiably so. Uh, I would expect him to be used like they how they use Le'Veon. And they really want to establish the run again. We had the worst rushing attack in football last year. And ownership and our general manager as well um, wants to restore our run game. So that's why we selected him. And when we did, uh, spent first-round draft capital on him, which is the second time in 33 years that we've taken a running back first in the first round. Um, but I think that he was the best running back prospect. I think it's – I would expect most to agree with that statement. Um, I mentioned previously that I expect him to be used like Le'Veon Bell was used in Pittsburgh. And in Le'Veon's final two seasons with the Steelers, he averaged 29 touches a game. Jesus. Um, That's so much. Yeah. So, I mean, even if Najee gets like, if averages like 22 touches a game, that's, you're happy with that. And a lot of weapons on offense. The offense is going to score. Um, Yeah. What do you guys think? Anything else other than that? Uh, I I had him as my 101 also. Um, I actually, I I did some scouting on him back in 2019 before he decided to return for his senior year. Um, And I thought I had him a lot higher than the consensus at the time. I think people had him around like running back six and he's my running back, I think three or four, just an all around like good running back. He's doesn't really have a weakness in any um, area, but I wouldn't say he's like uber talented in any specific area either. Um, I think, in terms of short-term success, he'll be, he'll make the most immediate impact out of any of these rookies um, in terms of on your fantasy roster. Um, I think he can be immediately like a high-end RB2, um, but long-term, I think he kind of stays in that high-end RB2 range. I'm not sure he'll ever be more than maybe a low-end RB1 um, because I, I do think he's really good. I just don't think he's great. And um, with how talented these running backs are nowadays, I feel like, you know, if you want to consistently be in that, you know, top 10, then you have to be great. I, I'm not sure he is, but I like him. Yeah. N- Najee is my one one as well. He is a very um, all around great prospect. As Ryan mentioned, he's got the ideal size you would want in a, in a running back that's going to have to, handle that amount of workload that we mentioned uh and he's a, he's a great pass catcher he really showcased that as his collegiate career um progressed some i guess to play devil's advocate some i guess cons you could bring up a, a, about harris is that he he doesn't have elite speed he's not like he's not i don't think he's slow for his size but he doesn't have that top end speed that a travis Etienne or guys in the nfl like i don't know dalvin cook or um you know Saquon Barkley have that home run hitting speed so he's not quite there but he again he's not like I don't think that's a a huge inhibitor as well his uh I guess his speed and for not for nothing he is 23 which is old for a running back 
However, I, I wouldn't be too concerned if I was if I was in a, the one hundred one uh, situation or going into that draft, just because you know if, if you select a running back, you're really hoping for that first three to four years. And what's the difference between, I don't know, playing for that second contract as a running back? You're not really expecting that. It would be very nice. It's it's like pretty much the the cherry on top, but again, it's not really the expectation. So if you can get a a good three to four year window where he's uh, your, your guy's finishing as an RB one. That's, that's um, what you're hoping for. So that wasn't really too much of a concern for me. Um, just to echo that same sentiment that Jack mentioned, I, I think there's no way, in my opinion, I know Ryan, you said he's a, he, he'd be more of a high end RB two for you, but I don't really see a scenario where he doesn't finish as an RB one, just because the amount of volume he's going to get, I don't, right. I just don't see a scenario where we take him off the field for Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane. I just cannot see that happening. If it, as injury aside, of course, you can say that for anyone, but even if he's just averagely efficient, like he doesn't have to be that efficient with his touches. He, the amount of volume he's going to get is just going to be, I think astronomical and you just, you don't take a guy in round one if you're not going to give them that, if you're in the Steeler situation. Yeah. I guess I kind of envision them uh, easing him in a little bit to start. Um, and I do also think it depends on how big Ben is performing because if he's playing like he did last year, then that might be handing off the ball a lot more than expected. But if he's, you know, fully healthy, ready to go, he's got some great wide receivers that he can throw to and they might not be as run heavy. So, yeah, we, we will uh, see um, for sure. All right. We will move on to the 102, uh, who I will be discussing a little bit here first, is uh, Travis Etienne, uh, running back out of Clemson, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, one pick after Najee Harris in the NFL draft. And uh, right in our rookie draft, he was one pick after him as well. Um, Travis Etienne is a guy who has elite speed as i mentioned uh, just a couple minutes ago and from what i saw as well he has very good contact balance you know he does he, he he's very good balance i guess you could say i think he he reminded me of alvin kamara in that sense where when i watched alvin kamara's film i didn't want we didn't we weren't doing a rookie draft for the 2017 class that was our startup year so we didn't have to, i didn't really scout him as a rookie per se but I've, I've gone back and watched it um, just because I was curious um, based off how I, I would think of these other older running backs compared to these guys coming in now. And Kamara is one of the best, if not the best I ever saw who I've, people I've watched of just, he doesn't really go down on the first hit. You know, he's able to stay upright. Travis Etienne did a lot of that as well. And so did Deandre Swift as well. Those are three guys that come to mind when I, when I thought, um, good balance as a running back. So I really like that in his game as well. He, as well as Harris has really shown a lot of growth and he's really elite at pass catching now. So I think he will see a lot of catches in his rookie season. I mean, clearly for me, uh, I'm in a unique situation where I didn't like the pick at all because of James Robinson. So that is something I guess you do have to mention because he obviously played really well in his rookie season, finished as the RB seven uh, as an undrafted free agent. So they, they, there is a lot more of a, I guess, steep competition you could say for ETN as comparison to Harris. Um, but, you know, you got to look at the draft capital because urban Meyer, it's a new coaching staff handpicked ETN um, in the first round. 
compared to a guy that they have no ties to in Robinson, who's an undrafted guy. So although Robinson played really well, you're going to be looking at maybe an even split in the beginning and an ETN progressing as the, as I guess the one a and a one a one B situation as the year goes on. Um, I think that ETN could see a realistic expectation. You could say for him is between 150 and 175 carry. I'll say one 175 carries. And I think he can honestly catch about 50 balls year one. I mean, there's been a lot of reports of him lining up as a wide receiver. I mean, I, that, that could just be some mini camp buzz, but he's still going to be, he's a familiar face for Trevor Lawrence. So you could see a lot of check downs to him. I just think he's going to, he's a very safe floor in my opinion, in PPR leagues, especially. So that's how I'm kind of being viewing ETN. I think I personally would have taken him at probably five. In my opinion, he's still my RB two, but I think I would have taken him at five. I, w- I don't fault. Um, anyone for taking him at 102, though. Who, who are the three that you had ahead besides Najee? Uh, personally, Chase, Pitts, and Smith. Okay. I'm surprised that Smith snuck Same. in there. So, so personally, I have ETN as my uh, fourth overall prospect in terms of dynasty. I had uh, Jamar Chase and Devontae Williams both ahead of him, and we'll get to both of those guys soon. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say – there's pros and cons to ETN. I think the top two things that you have to say about his skill set is, like you said, great body control. And then the breakaway speed is ridiculous. He can just hit a hole and accelerate, and you're not catching up to him. Um, one concern is that it was Clemson, and he was running through wide open holes. Um, his average like yards before contact was – I don't have the numbers up, but I, I think it was around like six yards or something ridiculous. Um, so obviously with Jacksonville's offense, those holes aren't going to be there. They're probably not going to be a great offense year one, even though Trevor Lawrence is there. I mean, he, he's still going to be a rookie. Um, and a lot of people like have been comparing him to Andrew Luck and they look back at Andrew Luck's rookie year and it wasn't anything spectacular. So I do think their team is still going to struggle a lot, um, meaning they may end up having to pass a lot more because they'll be down in games. And that can be good and bad for ETN. Um, I don't know if they're going to do check down passes quite as much if they're down by that much. But I do think that Trevor Lawrence being his quarterback is going to make him much more involved early on than if it were some other quarterback that he hadn't played with before. I agree with that. Uh, I won't add too much. Um, what Ryan said about they're going to be passing a lot. Like they, they did not address their defense in the drafts or in this offense or off season as a whole. Um, so I do expect, I, I actually kind of like their offense. Um, their offensive line needs some needed some, it's still not great. Um, but that just bodes for more check sounds for ETN. He's an incredible pass catcher, in my opinion. Um, great talent. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. All right, perfect. We will we'll move on to the third selection in in the draft here at 103. And that is Jamar Chase. He actually the person that selected Chase in the, in our league here traded up uh to get him. So I do want to get your quick thoughts on that trade as well. But just for the the listeners who are not familiar with what the exact trade was, it was so the the person that moved up previously had the 1.08 
and they gave up 1.08 in Cortland Sutton to move up to 103, and they also uh, received 3.9 as well. So they they moved up, made their move to get Jamar Chase at 103, uh, wide receiver out of LSU uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And first off, what do you guys think of the trade, and uh, was this a good selection in your mind? Can we think of the trade in what the pick was? Like, can we just think of the trade in simpler terms as it was really just Jamar Chase for Rashad Bateman and Cortland Sutton? Sure. Because that's how I've just been thinking about it. Um, yeah. I'd side with the Jamar Chase side. I I actually do like Bateman because I trust – I have more faith in Lamar Jackson as a thrower than most people do. Um, I also do think that a lot of people are forgetting how Cortland Sutton was pretty great before he was out this entire year. But I just think that Chase is too good of a prospect to uh, to trade away, so I would side with that with with the chase side yeah I, I think it was a pretty even trade um i think had it been like the 107 instead of the 108 then that side would have won for sure because i think there are there's a big drop off after the 107 um it, it comes down to the argument of like would you rather have two wide receiver twos or one wide receiver one and the jamar chase side like yeah wide receiver one upside he does have some risk. Um, I like him overall as a prospect, but like he's not bulletproof. So um, I don't know. I, I like both sides. I I think I would lean Rashad Bateman and Sutton just because it's safer. But I, I don't know. I don't think it was a lopsided trade by any means. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think like I didn't look when this happened. I was like, whoa. I didn't think either side was getting ripped off. I I, I thought this was definitely a, a fair trade. I think I personally am going to agree with Jack. I, I think I would have the 103, uh, but it's by a slim margin. And I think it makes a lot of sense for uh, the team that moved up because now uh, he, he has Devonte Adams, Terry McLaurin and Jamar chase, which is a very, it's a, that's a star studded uh, wide receiver trio right there. So I yeah. think, to, cons- to consolidate the, the talent and acquire more star power. Uh, I, I'm always in favor of that. So I, I like the move there. Uh, so what do you guys think about Jamar Chase as a prospect? I know Ryan, you know, it seems like you both like him a lot. Ryan used the words as not bulletproof though, which I actually tend, I actually agree with that, but I want to hear what you guys have. Ryan will lead us off because this is his guy here. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we did talk about him a little bit during our um, uh, rookie mock draft. Uh, so I won't dive too deep into it again, but I don't know. I, I think he's that prototypical prototypical X wide receiver. Um, he's fast enough to win deep. He's a good route runner. He's good start stop ability. Um, can make good like a uh, ball adjustments in the air. The only problem I guess is that he sat out an entire year. He was really dominant when he played with um uh, Joe Burrow, but we didn't get to see him with a quarterback that was, you know, not, not as good. Obviously he's going to be with Joe Burrow now. So I guess yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, and I do think that connection is definitely going to help him early on. Um, he will likely be Joe Burrow's go-to guy, even though Joe Burrow did play with C Higgins for a year. Um, I still think that that connection is going to instantly come back with him and Jamar Chase. Um, so I do see him stepping into the wide receiver one on that team. Um, but again, T Higgins is there. Tyler Boyd is there. 
Um, Joe Mixon is there who can catch the ball. So I don't know. I like him. I think there's like a 90% chance he becomes a wide receiver one, but again, not, there's not really a bulletproof prospect. Um, I don't know. I'm not even hesitant at all on Jamar Chase. I think that him sitting out of here does not influence me at all. And it might like, doesn't change my opinion of him just as how good he was in 2019. Like he outshined Justin Jefferson when he was younger, when he was 19, like that's, that's incredible. Um, and you, we all know, and you said it, that he has played with Joe Burrow, the chemistry's there. So I think that's a huge plus. And like Joe Burrow definitely had say in vouching for him and he had say in the pick and getting him. So he's going to be like hyper targeted, I'm sure. And he's just incredibly talented. He's a top five wide receiver. However, top five wide receivers, like, I feel like they, I can't think of any off the top of my head besides Corey Davis, but already that's, that doesn't bode well if you're going off uh, historical record. But Sammy Watkins. You mean in terms of draft capital? Yeah. Uh huh. Sammy Watkins. Last top five receiver that actually, like, wasn't. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. There's a lot of busts. So it was uh, John Ross, right? Top five. He was top 10. Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Oh, oh, sorry. You mean top? Okay. Got it. Even top 10 receivers, I feel like. Mari Cooper worked out. Okay. Yeah. John Ross. Uh, Mike, Mike Williams. Williams. Where did Ruggs go? 11? He might have been 10. Or was he 11? Okay. That's, uh, that's aside from the point. I think Jamar Chase is great. I think it's the right pick here. I probably had him at 103 or something like that. I had him at 102. So, so um, su- this may be surprising, and I, I don't know if you guys are going to accuse me of being just, like, purposely controversial, but I, I, I actually like Devonta Smith a little bit more. I think that's crazy. I think I, Devonta Smith has a lot more risk. Yeah. And equal upside. I think he is more... More risk. All right, Devonta, Devonta Smith is a great player, and we're actually going to be talking about him, obviously, so I won't say too much, but um, he there's a little bit more risk as a prospect and just the situation. I don't know. And I know this isn't really a valid point, but Eagles wide receivers in recent years are kind of cursed, so that's why I'm a little, a little nervous about him, but keep going. Sorry. So it's not – me in saying that is not – uh, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like Jamar Chase at all. I, I love Jamar Chase. It's just that's just a testament to how how much I like Smith. Um, but w- w- I'll 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 say my um, final words here on Chase uh, before we get. To, I mean, I'll, I'll have a lot to say when we get to Smith as well. But so much to like about Chase. Uh, his top traits that I saw: contested catches, very 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 good, as Ryan mentioned. He has great acceleration. Um, more so than his speed. I feel like the way he accelerates after he catches the ball is, is awesome. Like that second gear that he has, he has amazing body control um, and he has really strong hands. Uh, and as Jack said, I mean, he, he, to do what he did at 19 years old, that is yeah. two or three or four years younger than all of us. So doing that against SEC defenses is absolutely absurd. Uh, 
and it, it's just amazing. I mean, the fact that he that he could take a whole year off and still be selected in the top five, that's just yeah. that, that just is crazy as well. I mean, you know, COVID messed everything up, but you know, that, that's just unprecedented before. A guy taking a whole year off and still being a top five, he didn't have to do anything to prove himself anymore after his amazing right. 2019. So over know. under wide receiver 14 for his rookie year. Under. Rookie year under. There's too many good wide receivers. CD Lamb was on pace for wide receiver twelve until Dak got hurt. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, think that was so. only like three weeks, four weeks. No, that was like six weeks. Dak played four games and then got hurt in the fifth. He only played four games. I think he got hurt in the fourth. Yeah, I think he played in three games. And got hurt in the fourth. Oh. So, do you know what his his ADP for wide receiver is right now, in redraft leagues? Uh. I would say maybe like 17. Not even close. Oh, over, like wide receiver overall? What wide do you... receiver. Yeah, wide receiver 17, no, not close. In redraft leagues. I'll say like a wide receiver three. What number? It's, uh, well, like 32. Really close, 31. Wow. Damn, I was way off then. <laughs> Looks like Ryan's going to leave a lot of uh, Jamar Chase this year. In, in I guess so. Leagues. I'll so, take that value. Yeah, I, I, I do think he will exceed 31, but I, I'm, I'm thinking more uh, 23, something like that. But he'll have a very solid rookie year and, uh, you know, love his long-term uh, upside there. So that's, okay. uh, that's my view on Jamar Chase. I had him at 104, so just one spot lower, I guess. At 104, speaking of bulletproof prospects, this may be the only one in this draft. Ooh. Kyle Pitts went 104, and uh, he went to a team that, in our league, is a contender that you could arguably say was only a tight end away. So this made a lot of sense for his uh, for his team. And I think this is the correct spot for him for sure. Uh, Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida, drafted to the Atlanta Falcons fourth overall, the highest selected tight end in uh, NFL draft history. Jack's going to be talking about Kyle Pitts. A lot of vacated targets now that uh, Julio is gone. So... Yeah, that's Seems like he's walking into a great situation. Jack, what do you have to say? That's exactly what I was going to highlight. Julio being gone. Um, he last year he averaged seven and a half targets a game. So if you pace it out to 17 games next year, that's 128 targets up for grabs. And I really see them all going to him to Pitts. Um, I don't think there's a reason not to. He clearly proved how dominant he was at Florida in the SEC. Um, drafted with such high draft capital that I, he has to be used and he's the situation he's in he will be um i think matt ryan can still support him so um yeah i don't know i think it was definitely a good pick here i i think he was my 103 um what did you guys have him at i actually had him at 106 um it's just tough to take a tight end that high. I'm trying to look up his redraft ADP. Do any of you have it on you? I'll tell you. Just for tight ends, like tight end what? 
Wasn't he like tight end six? Yep, tight end six. Okay. So I think that's a fair spot. Um, I think in terms of dynasty, I think people already have him up there at like fighting with Darren Waller for the third spot, which I think is kind of premature. I really like him. I really like Kyle Pitts. I, I think he might disappoint a little bit year one. Um, I mean, if he stays at, at tight end six come the draft, then maybe not. But I, I think that the hype will keep boosting and he'll move up to like four or five by the start of the season. And at, at those numbers, I think that he's going to get eased in a little more. It's tough to transition from college to the NFL for a tight end. I think he'll have a great career. Um, but the hype is just a little too much right now. And I think it's going to get, he's going to get hyped up even more as we get closer to the season. So I, I love him long-term this year. I'm probably not going to be drafting him in redraft. I probably agree. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in the same um, thought process for you for year one. Uh, just because is, is, I mean, I, I love him. Like it's hard. You can't, you can't not love him. Like, He's so good. He's so fantastic. But, you know, his, you know, he's tight end six. That is, I think that's supposed to put him, let me see, overall in terms of all positions. He is going, okay, this has him in the seventh round. But the mock drafts I've been doing, the mock drafts I've been doing have him going in like round six, though. So I'd rather have him or TJ Hawkinson next year. I'd rather have Hawkinson. Speaking of vacated targets, the Lions have the yeah. most in the NFL, so mm-hmm. he is going to be the lead, the Lions leader in targets for sure. But the tight so, ends ahead of him, like one through five, is what? Kelsey, Waller, Hawkinson, Andrews. Kittle. Kittle, right. Maybe I could take him over Andrews. I was going to say Andrews or, or Pitts. Um, it's pretty close. I don't really know, but to what you said, I think you brought up a good point, Ryan, that we have to keep in mind that he is going to be, he is 20 years old and he will be 20 years old for this season. That is. Wait, really? Yes. He, he didn't turn 21. He, he At the start of the season, he will still be 20. He graduated. He graduated from wood in 2018. Yeah. His birthday's in October of 2000. Wow. Didn't so extremely young. You do have to keep that in mind. So if, if he if he does have an amazing rookie season, that just makes it even more impressive, in my opinion. Uh, as Jack mentioned a little bit, I'll talk about a little bit about his time in Florida. He had 43 catches, 770 yards, and 12 touchdowns in only eight games last year. <laughs> That's absolutely absurd abduct, uh, production. Amazing contestant catchability. He's a, an amazing athlete. He is he is a wide receiver. Um, the only cons I had written down for him was blocking his average and then wrote in parentheses who cares because <laughs> it doesn't matter for unless you're like an flag. awful blocker like that's on that, that's a red like kind of a red flag yeah it wasn't, like, he, he can, it's not even bad though that's the thing if so. you can hold your own as a blocking tight end like you'll get on the field you'll be like you'll be used like yeah unless you're like an awful blocker they have to take you off the field in blocking scenarios right but he's so good right so i I uh I don't remember if I had him. I may have even had him 102 to be honest. Wow. Because you know I, I think people do have to keep in mind that like these rookie drafts, like 
you're not just drafting for next year. Like he may yeah. not be Travis Kelsey next year, but he could be Travis Kelsey in for the firm from year three to 10, if everything went right. So you got to have a little bit more of a long-term perspective there. So I, I, I'd honestly be okay with that. So, all right, we'll move on to uh, 105, which was uh, Javante Williams, uh, running back out of North Carolina that went in the second round to the Denver Broncos. Uh, the team that selected Javante definitely needed a, a, a very solid, stable RB2. So, this, again, this was a good good selection here, one that definitely needed to be uh, made. I guess you, you could debate either Smith, Waddle, or, um, or, or Williams here if, if you – we're going into this in a vacuum, not knowing positional need. So de- he's definitely in that conversation. He, he could honestly go as high as like three or four, in my opinion. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault anyone for that. Uh, Williams. Sorry. I'm just pulling up my notes on him here. Very strong runner. Um, very good. I think he led the uh, college football in breaking the, the tackle breaking metric this past season. Very good at breaking tackles. Um, very, he had decent hands. I know he he was paired with Michael Carter in college, and Carter was, I guess, viewed as a little bit of a stronger pass catcher. But Williams could definitely do it too. He's definitely not. Sorry, Jack. He's not Nick Chubb, um, who can't really catch the ball. Um, he's cool. very Don't subtle. Slander. Don't slander. Catch. <laughs> he was just the sorry, sorry Nick Chubb. He was just the first guy that came to mind. I, my apologies. Stupid. Uh, Clyde stinks. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Williams is very good in pass protection as well. And uh, I guess the cons I had written for Williams is that similar to Harris, in my opinion, he kind of lacked that top end speed. I don't think you'll see many uh, 80 yard runs from Williams. So that, that was one thing I, I, I did mention. And again, not that you can't be a productive fantasy running back without that, but I don't think we'll be seeing too many of the, uh, the big runs from him that are like long touchdowns and like Ryan mentioned with Clemson, how the ETN was running through wide open holes. North Carolina had a fantastic offensive line this year. So he did play behind a very good offensive line as well. So I just want to mention that as well, but in terms of his uh, prospects for the NFL and his projections going forward, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did, did, didn't Denver trade up for him, right? They traded up. Yeah. So it was a decent amount of draft capital they gave up. I don't remember the exact trade. Right. So he goes pretty early on in round two. A team traded up to get him. So they, they clearly have some confidence in him and he should be a uh, an integral part of their future plans. You know, they Melvin Gordon's the only his only competition now and he's a twenty eight year old running back on the on the last year of his deal. So, you know, as early as and I mean, it could honestly, he could be. It wouldn't shock me completely if he started the year as as being, uh, I guess, the one A in that backfield. But you know, it, it, we could see it in midway through the season where it's a, it's kind of like a J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram situation from last year, how he kind of uh, is more utilized as the year progresses. So in year one and certainly year two, it should, should be uh, the sky's the limit for him. So yeah, I do think it's a very similar situation to Dobbins last year. Um, as a prospect, I love Javante Williams. He's my running back to, uh, third overall player after, um, Najee Harris and ETN, or I'm sorry, and, um, uh, Jamar Chase. Chase. 
So I think he's, he's really well built. He's hard to get down. Um, like you said, he's a decent pass catcher. I think he has really good vision and he's just an overall bruiser. Um, and that excites me, but at the same time, it worries me a little bit. He kind of reminds me of Chris Carson. Um, the reason it worries me is because those kind of running backs tend to be a little more injury prone. I don't think he had much, many injuries in college, um, but he also split the backfield. So he didn't get a ton of touches. So I, th- I think he can be one of those running backs that does um, like dominate a backfield in the NFL and, and can be an every down back. But I'm not sure if he, that's going to be sustainable given his running style. So that is my one reservation about him. But I just love how, I mean, I love watching highlights of him just blowing up defenders that were trying to tackle him. Um, I don't have anything too much else to add. I, I like him. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said. Uh, in terms of this year, um, the team stinks, so that's not really great for the running back. Do they stink? I think they're not that good. Quarterback stinks. They're quarterback away. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I want to know what do you think his redraft ranking is in terms of running backs? I mean, I do like three mock drafts a day, so I think I should know. Uh, wait, let me guess. I'm going to say running back 23. Mitchell? I believe he's like high 20s or low 30s. He is low 30s at 32 in between James Robinson and David Johnson. I guess I'm just high on all these guys. Uh, we got rookie I fever. I cannot believe he's there with David Johnson. Well, think of, I don't David Johnson's going to get a, oh, I don't know. I'd rather have Phil Blimsey. Yeah, that running back room is confusing. I mean, they bring in Lindsey Ingram and Rex Burkhead on a team that's going to be awful. <laughs> that team is actually going to be awful. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I he, I I know in redraft league he's going anywhere from round seven, seven to eight. That's just, that's right around where he's going right right then. And I think it does make sense. I mean, we, we brought up the J.K. Dobbins example. If you if you think back to last year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's right around the range that Dobbins was being taken as well. So, you know, you have to go with the expectation that uh, it may not happen right away. You got to be a little bit patient, perhaps but it could pay dividends uh, down the stretch. And Dobbins did really well in, in terms of the second half of the season. He, you know, he scored a lot of touchdowns. He wasn't really even seeing that much volume, but he, he was, he was scoring a lot finding the end zone. And uh, we could see a similar trajectory for Williams in year one, maybe even better. So uh, we'll, we'll certainly see from there. Uh, we'll move on to one Oh six, which was uh Devonte Smith. Uh, drafted out of Alabama, the Heisman winner to the Philadelphia Eagles. And this was a player uh, that, I mean, I, as I alluded to here, I was very high on him. And if he fell uh, one spot further in the draft in here, I, I was going to make a move to go up to get him. Uh, I had a couple, I had three second rounders in this draft, no first, but I was going to try to find a way that, that I could pot potentially get Smith um, because I really liked him, but, you know, 
I didn't think uh, I could I could offer enough to get up to 106. So I did hold off, but he goes 106, and uh, I would have taken him at either two or three. I can't remember, but um, Ryan, what what do what are you thinking about Smith? I know you say you may have some reservations about him, and I'm I'm curious to hear what they what they are so I can refute them. Yeah, so I'll try to keep my Eagles bias out of the out of this. Um, when the NFL draft happened, I was kind of hoping we wouldn't take him there just because I don't like the idea of spending that high of draft capital on a wide receiver unless it was going to be Jamar Chase because um, I do think all these other receivers are a step down from him. And not even a – I would say a step down in terms of they just have way more risk. Um, these guys like uh, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Rondell Moore, like they all have so much more risk than Jamar Chase does. Sure, their upside might be similar, but but that's why I didn't want the Eagles to, to draft another bust. Um, the pros, I think he's really quick. He has great hands, great route runner. Um, he can burn guys deep. Uh, I, obviously, his, his frame is a concern. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a wide receiver be successful that's had a BMI as low as he, his is. Um, he's 6'1", 170, I think, somewhere around there. Um, and I, I think he's not overly elusive um when he has the ball in his hands even though he got a ton of screen passes in at alabama so i'm not really sure why they kept like force feeding him the ball when i didn't think he was overly elusive and i guess they didn't have jalen waddle to be that that check down guy um i wonder if uh that would have affected Devonte smith at all had jalen waddle been in there and been taking a lot of those um quick dump off passes so i like him I think he has a lot of upside, but I also think he carries a lot of risk. Um, I agree with that. I also, well, I said what I said earlier about uh, Eagles wide receiver curse the past few years, but um, he's going to jump into a situation where he's going, he should be the wide receiver one right away, like the wide receiver room. And I mean, with Ertz gone and like Goddard, like the whole pass catcher situation isn't, I is not great at all. Uh, so that should, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Cause like at one hand you think like, all right, he has the opportunity to, to be the alpha in this pass catching group, but also defenses will know that. And he's going to draw number one coverage as a rookie, which um, is something to be cautious about. Also Jalen Hurts, the passer, I think consensus is um, not sold yet. Uh, so uh, I don't know. Situationally, sure, he's it's opportunity to get targets um, and to be the best receiver in the room. But it's, I don't know, it's a tough situation, I think, aside from just the Eagles curse that I like to keep mentioning. Um, I don't know. I guess that's all I got. So I will start off by saying all the pros I have listed for Smith, and then I will uh, kind of refute you guys' uh, cons or negatives. Um, so you're just going to keep going with pros? Essentially. You're not going to say a single thing bad about him? I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see how it goes. All right. He has a big wingspan. He, his arms are super long. I know he's 6'1", but I don't know what his exact wingspan is, but it's it's very big for his uh for his height so it's he's got very long arms and 
you know, Ryan mentioned his low weight, his uh, low BMI and his small frame, but he plays tough for his size. He doesn't shy down from it. He doesn't back down from anyone. Um, he plays tough for his size. This is a guy that so far in his career has been durable. And I obviously know that changes with the NFL, but you can't point to any prior injury history with him. His height is six feet. Wingspan is six foot uh, six. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. He's a very good route runner. I think he's the best route runner here in this class. <laughs> in this room between us three. <laughs> out of us three and Devonta Smith, yes. And out of all the rookies, in my opinion. Okay. He had elite production with multiple quarterbacks, um, with Tua and Mac Jones. He was the best wide receiver in the room when there was Judy, Ruggs, and Waddle. I know everyone was really high on Judy last year and some people on Ruggs. He was better than all of them, in my opinion. He had better production than all of them, if you look at the numbers. And I don't care about Jalen Hurts because mean. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean for it to come out that way, but you know what I mean. I mean, we all not we all, not all the listeners, but you guys both know I passed on AJ Brown for Nikhil Harry in the 2019 rookie draft. I I'd love, still do that. I love AJ. <laughs> I love AJ Brown, but I got gun shy because of Marcus Mariota. And I didn't like that situation. So I opted for to pivot from him. And that's a decision that uh, you know, was was not good. Not good for my franchise. And I'm still in a good position, thankfully, but you know, with a few other bad moves, I really could have been extra costly. So Ever since then, I've kind of put less stock into their situation because situations change so quickly. One of two things are going to happen. Either Jalen Hurts is going to improve as a passer enough to where it's not going to really matter for Devontae Smith and he'll overcome it, or they'll replace him in a year or two. So it, it's not a permanent situation. And I, in my opinion, it's either going to go one or two of those ways. So I'm not overly really thinking about it that much. And I've, I've just really tried my best to evaluate these guys absent of their situation. And I really, like, I really like Smith so much. And if he weighed 190 pounds, I know he doesn't, but if, if he did, like, I, I don't, when I'm watching him, I don't see any weaknesses. I just see, I just see a really good player and I don't really care about his weight. The whole production thing you said, I mean, that what would his production be with Waddle this whole season? Like that's I think that's why he was so he was uber productive last year. In twenty nineteen though, he had the best stats out of all four receivers. Okay. He did. That's fair. They were all there. Two guys that went in top twenty or fifteen of the twenty nineteen of twenty twenty NFL draft. So I mean he's playing with three other first round talent wide receivers and he was better than all of them. So I'm not really worried about him at all. So yeah, that's what I had to say about Devonte Smith. So there we go. Uh, we'll move on to the seventh pick His teammate, uh, Jalen Waddle, who uh, went one Oh seven and was selected by the Miami dolphins. I do agree with what Ryan said earlier on in the episode here. Uh, there was a tear break after the the seven guys that were selected first here. 
So I did like how you mentioned how if that that trade that we discussed uh, for the Jamar Chase moving up trade, if that pick was 107, I think that definitely makes a difference as opposed to 108. So, uh, Jack, what do you have to say about uh, Jalen Waddle? Um, I like Waddle. I'd be cautious with him in redraft because uh, this year, I don't know if Tua can handle so much volume with them. The Dolphins also bringing in Will Fuller. Uh, they still have Devonta Parker and Gesicki there as pass catchers. So uh, the target share won't be, is, won't be like incredibly high in year one. Um, also, the rushing attack they have is pretty poor. Um, so that, which may lead you to think that they're going to rely heavy on their pass game, which they may. But that it it doesn't always work out that way. Defenses are going to expect that. Um, also, the O line isn't great, which doesn't help Waddle's game particularly. Doesn't give him as much time to get downfield. Um, however, in Dynasty, we look long term, obviously, and I love his talent. Um, the player comp he's we've been hearing a lot is Tyreek Hill, which I love. I mean, how can you not love that? Um, and I do like Tua. I think he's a pretty polarizing player at this point in his career going into year two. Um, like, I'm not... I like Tua. I'm not, like, a huge believer. Like, think he's going to be great. But, like, I'm, I'm, rooting, I'm rooting for him. But um, Sound like and also, Will Fuller, Will Fuller won't be there forever as well. So... Another reason to like him in Dynasty. So that's all I got. I want to look up what his ranking is for redraft. Yeah, Probably so not I, very high. What I have on, on Waddle, um, it's very evident that he's he's the fastest receiver in this draft. He I he is elusive. Um he can he, he the negative comp that, that you hear commonly to uh, Jalen Waddle is Henry Ruggs. But that's just oh, a very uninformed comp because uh, he's just better than Henry Ruggs. He's way more refined as a route runner. Henry Ruggs was very unpolished in that regard. So if you hear anyone say that he's the next Henry Ruggs, I mean, he, you know, Waddle could be a bust. You know, it, that's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. But I don't think it'll be for the same season that Ruggs, the same, excuse me, the same reasons that Russ Ruggs doesn't see success because he is a more evolved receiver than him. So I don't, I don't think that's fair. I think that's a pretty, a pretty lazy take. If you're, if you're hearing that, uh, I know that this doesn't really apply to fantasy, but he's, he's electric on uh, punt returns as well. So I don't, maybe early on in his career, you'll see him do that. And that could be fun to watch um, as well. And it, it most leagues, I guess, reward the player if they get a punt return for a touchdown. Um, I know the, the yardage doesn't really apply in most leagues, but he is uh, adds a plus to his game. Uh, I, I, in terms of his fantasy value, I know he's not just a deep threat. He can be used as, in screens and, and quick slants and whatnot and closer to the line of scrimmage. He could be a little inconsistent. Um, you could see him have big games, and but he could also probably disappear for some games. So I could definitely see his career archetype going that way as well. So that 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 is one thing I, I would be a little bit cautious of. But I think uh, 
I mean, the draft capital is right there. He was one pick behind Jamar Chase, so that's definitely not an issue either. Um, there's a lot to like about Waddle as well, and he was um, – I kind of – early on in the in the process of, of, of fine-tuning my rankings, I kind of played with the idea of, you know, do I like Rashad Bateman more than him? Or or I'm a, I do like Rondell Moore a lot, and I guess we'll talk about him later. I was, you know, even thinking about him. But, you know, I had to put Waddle third, so he, he was there for me. Um, I didn't dive too deep into the film with um, a lot of these top wide receivers because I knew I wasn't going to have a pickup here. But um, when I did do some scouting, I actually had Waddle and Smith ranked the same in terms of talent. Um, but obviously with the landing spot, I think Devonta Smith, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think he's safer. I know I just said he has a lot of high risk, but I think that Waddle has, is even riskier. Um, it, it, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the film watchers love Waddle and then a lot of the like analytics people hate him. Um, in terms of breakout age, 20% or 20th percentile breakout age, 32nd percent dominator rating. Those are not very inspiring. So I understand why from an analytical perspective, people are kind of off on him. Um, and I do think that's why he carries a lot of risk because a lot of those guys that have such low uh, percentile ranks in, in those categories don't end up doing too well. But if you actually watch him play, he's, he's electric. And I think he could, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, he could be the, the wide receiver one in this class. I think he has the potential to be it, but I also think he could absolutely bust. So. Yeah, that's a, um, that's definitely a good point. And he, we didn't mention either, but he obviously has had some injury concerns so far um, in his collegiate career. So, you know, it, it was, it was very um, inspiring when he tried to play through it in the, in the championship game, but, you know, it's still um, something to be wary of, I guess you could say um, for him as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll move on to 108, which we did uh, tease a little bit earlier on in the episode, but it was Rashad Bateman picked 108. Uh, selected in the end of the first round to the Baltimore Ravens. And I believe this is me. I'm, I think I'm talking about Bateman here. And I do want to hear what Jack has to say, because he did mention how he is a little bit higher than most people on Lamar's uh, throwing ability. So I definitely want to hear what he has to say about Bateman and his situation here. Um, but for Bateman, he is somebody I was really high on initially. And I still liked him as as it as a as a as our rookie draft approached, but I did cool off on him slightly. And um, I guess what I have to say about him very he's a very he's very um. What am I trying to say? He's a lot of traits that are, are very good, and it, there's not too many glaring weaknesses in his game. I guess you could say. Very solid route runner. Um, he's got some. He's got pretty good size. I know he. It was the it was the narrative how he uh, measured in and like shorter and a little bit slimmer than uh, what everyone thought he was, but he's still not small by any means. I think he's still six foot six foot and a half and one you know, a little bit under two hundred pounds. So that's certainly not his frame is not going to be an issue. Is what I'm trying to say. Still really good at uh, contested catch, um, solid uh, solid route running as I mentioned. Good body control. He had very good 2019 production. Um, he had a little over 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. So 
you know, his production's good. Uh, the only negatives I really have is that he's not quite as explosive as, you know, if you go from watching Jalen Waddle tape to Rashad Bateman, um, there's a difference, you know. I mean, you could say it with anyone with Jalen Waddle, but, you know, he's not the most explosive receiver, but I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's something that was uh, a super big red flag in my opinion. Um, but he, he goes to Baltimore and it's historically since the, since Lamar has entered into the league that it's been a very run dominated team. I'm pretty sure they've got to be bottom five and pass attempts in that time. So the volume might not quite be there, but, but I don't know. You could also say on, on the, on the flip side of that, Lamar has not had a wide receiver that has as good as Bateman in his NFL career in his four years. So what do you guys think? Um, I think I like him because, well, one, the Ravens took him in the first round, which you could say is they did the same thing with Marquise Brown. Like, what was that only two years ago? Was 2019. It two, 2019, yeah. Um, so uh, you could say, oh, they did the same with Marquise Brown. It's the reason to be nervous about it. But I think Bateman's a better prospect, can do more things than Marquise Brown. They're drafting him to not not replace Brown, but compliment Brown. And you comment you comment on uh, Bateman's, I, I guess, lack of explosiveness. But he's not going to be asked to be that kind of receiver. That's, I mean, explosiveness is not. We don't. <laughs> no one takes like has an designated explosive receiver, and the other ones aren't. But like, Marquise Brown's their field stretcher. Um, that's his role. And about Lamar's passing, I guess I've been higher on Lamar as a passer than most because I just remember watching the college and I feel like he was a good passer in college at Louisville. So I've kind of just kept that image of him as a passer in my head. Um, like I, I feel like he's capable of doing it. They just run a lot just because of how fantastic of a runner he is like watching Lamar Jackson run like he's so fast and I don't know he's more exciting to watch run than like most running backs any I maybe like any running back but um you said it too I think it having a true wide receiver one with Bateman in Bateman is going to help Lamar um a lot and I don't think Bateman has much competition to be that I think he's going to get the majority of the targets right away so that's my Rashad Bateman hype um I'll just add I really liked him as a prospect um had he gone to a better destination I could see him being my wide receiver too in this class um I think outside of I guess Chase Pitts and I'd say just outside of those two, he's the next safest prospect in the entire draft uh, on the offensive side. Um, I don't know. He, he's just like, he's him and chase are the only two that I can see being that prototypical X wide receiver one on an NFL team out of all of the guys in this draft. Um, Smith and Waddle don't really profile as that. So even though they may be the most talented wide receivers on their team, I'm not necessarily sure they're going to, um, like be that, you know, wide receiver, like prototypical X guy, um, which isn't a problem. You can still put up fantasy points without having that mold. 
Um, but I, I think Rashad Bateman could be just a long-term solid wide receiver too on your team. I will also add one thing just to give one negative is that from what I saw, it seemed like he had a, uh, a bit of a limited route tree. Um, so I think he needs to work on that a bit. I think he has a good route runner. He gets really good separation, but I think he's limited in his actual tree. So if he can fill that out more, then I think we'll have a real solid career. Yeah, we'll, we will see. And I'm just very, yeah, I'm very interested because, you know, Lamar has been thrown to, yeah, Marquise Brown, but also what, Willie Sneed and not not the most inspiring wide receiver names yeah. um, so far in his NFL career. So I think they, it's very, um, it's good for him that the Ravens seem to want to give him some help and in they're investing in the draft because, you know, two out of the past three drafts have they've drafted a wide receiver in the first round. So um, that is good for them trying to support their franchise quarterback. Uh, we'll move on to the ninth pick, which is the 109, which is Trey Sermon, uh, the fourth running back selected here, drafted in the third round by the San Francisco 49ers. I believe it was 88th overall. Don't have that in front of me. That's just off of memory, so I'm not 100% sure. But he goes ninth overall in our rookie draft here. And I don't remember who was supposed to talk about Sherman, but you are, Ryan? Yep. Okay, you can you can lead off then. Go ahead. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to say about him. I mean, I think he went too early in this draft, but I agree. At the same time, this is where I expected him to go. I just think it's too early. Um, he's a guy. Obviously, there were three great running back prospects in this draft, and then there was a drop off. So he goes in the third round. So it's not like it's great draft capital, but he is the fourth running back off the board. Um, he didn't have great film. Uh, I, I don't think anyone sees him as some like elite prospect that's going to be a wider or a running back one ever. Um, I honestly don't, I'm not sure he'll ever have the backfield to himself either. So especially being on the 49ers. So um, I don't know. I, I don't really like him. I don't really like the pick, but I can understand why Connor drafted him because um, he does have some glaring needs at the running back position. And uh, as you saw, we just had kind of a run on, on wide receivers go. So the talent in the wide receiver group was definitely dwindling. So I understand it. I don't love it. I kind of disagree on the uh, running backfield to himself part. This year he won't. I mean, there's a it's a crowded backfield this year, definitely. Um, Raheem Mostert, this is his last year on his contract. There, Jeff Wilson's only signed a one year deal, which he's hurt. He'll probably be out till November ish, probably like end of October, November. So like that gives Trey Sermon a lot of more carry opportunity, touch opportunities are off the bat. So that's gonna help. And then going into 2022, it's him who also they have in their roster they drafted ey mitchell and um i there's a few others like far less notable names so i mean presumably he will be the starting running back um you know from 2022 to 2024 um i just want to jump in real quick 
what I, I'm not talking about the situation at all. I think the situation actually plays into my point, but I think my point is that he's not talented enough to have a backup. Right. Yeah. I was just going to get into that. Like, I don't, I'm not a film watcher, but I, from what I can tell, he doesn't seem like his measurables. He doesn't seem like to blow anything out of the water. Like he's not special. Um, that special. Like he, I don't know. I feel like, being in Ohio State's offense, high-powered offense helped him. So um, that could cover up some some weaknesses he has. Um, I guess that's all I've got to say. What do you think, Mitchell? You think it's a reach too, right? Yeah, I have a lot to say about Trey Sermon okay. here. I don't like the pick at all. I wouldn't have taken Sermon until 204. I really didn't like him at all. I probably wouldn't have considered him until the middle of the second round. This this running back class is absolutely brutal outside of the top three, in my opinion. I I think it's it's, it's not good at all. I, I I do have some some good things to say about Michael Carter when we get to him. So I don't want to um completely throw him under the bus, but everyone else, I mean, I wasn't touching with a ten foot pole. I really didn't like this the depth of this running back class at all. Um, my pro, I'll just read my pros and cons right from my list uh, after I watched Trey Sermon's film. And he was one of the later ones I watched, so it is kind of fresh in my mind as well. Some pros, I, I, he did show a lot of effort in trying to fight for yards, so I do have to give him credit for that. He did show good effort, and it's not like he took plays off. He, he wanted to get that extra yard, which I do appreciate. And he had, he had pretty good balance, I guess you could say, as well. Um, but, you know, that's pretty much it I saw from in terms of the positives in terms of Sermon. He is not fast at all. He's got well below average speed. He, he was an awfully indecisive runner as well. There was a lot of times where he just didn't know where, what hole to really go in. And he just kind of danced around and it really cost him some yards that he could honestly could have gotten. If he just was, you know, I'm going to hit this hole and go. I didn't really see a lot of that at all. And that was, that was a main weakness that I saw that stuck out. He was inconsistent in pass production. Someplace he looked pretty decent other place he looked completely lost out there and it caused fields to get sacked 38 percent of his rushing production came in one game last year so 38 percent of his rushing yards came came against northwestern in 2020 so i mean didn't like it at all and like i said i, I just this is not a pick i would have made i still would have taken uh three or four receivers over him and certainly the quarterbacks, which we'll get into in a second here. Okay. All right. Sorry, Trey Sermon. We will you move stink. on to 1.10, which is another running back here and a name I just mentioned. It was Michael Carter, uh, fourth round selection of the New York Jets. Um, and I believe, sorry, who's up for this? I keep forgetting. Oh, it's me. Jack, all right, so you can start with Michael Carter here. Uh, I'm pretty big on Michael Carter for Dynasty because I am a lot more than you guys. Uh, I favor situation over talent a lot of times, and this situation is a – he's got a very clear path to a starting job despite him being an early fourth-round pick. Uh, His only competition is Tevin Coleman. And no, Frank Gore's gone. 
but Tevin Coleman, who's only on a one year, like barely over like a million dollar deal. So he's not in their long-term plans. They're going to get Michael Carter involved this year and involved a lot. Um, O-line's improving. They traded up. They got Vera Tucker, the guard of USC in the first round. Um, also, I mean, obviously they bring in Zach Wilson. So fresh quarterback. And some sneaky, like, uh, I'm not going to say this, Pat, receiving core is, like, good. But, like, they got some decent guys. Like, Corey Davis had a great year last year, so they bring him in, give him a big contract. Crowder is a good receiver. He was still going to be there. They drafted, uh, um, which more? Elijah Moore uh, early. Denzel Mims is still there, which, I mean, all these passing options may be a reason to be tentative on a running back, but I kind of view it as a good thing because you need a balanced attack. Uh, so I guess that's all I got. I think he's a great prospect too, which I'm sure Mitchell can talk more about and Ryan as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, um, I'll say a little bit about Carter. He was definitely my RB four. Um, I know I just kind of trashed on the depth of this running back class, but he was pretty solidified as my RB4 uh, because while I didn't uh, completely, uh, you know, hate his game, there there's definitely some things I liked as well. Amazing receiver. He's got really good hands. He's smart. He's got really good routes. Um, he was very elusive in which I saw, and he was – you know, I, I think I watched Sherman and Carter's tapes back-to-back. It was like night and day. Carter was very – no wasted steps. He knew where he was going, and he just he just looked so different. Like, the contrast between those two, that's why I was just like, I'm way Carter above Sermon, in my opinion. And people will say, like, oh, Carter was a day three pick, and Sermon was around three pick. But they were picked, like – 15 picks apart from each other. So it really wasn't that much of a difference if you really think about it. Um, Carter's not, he's not a complete burner. Again, I, I, I similar to other guys in this class, he, I, I don't really think he'll have many long touchdowns. He is undersized. So you do have to think about how much of a workload he can really get in a backfield. I mean, he was splitting with Javante in the, at North Carolina. So, is he ever going to be a guy who gets 18 touches a game? No, I think he'll probably live more in the 12 to 15 range and maybe some receptions in there, which are more high-value touches. But, you know, you have to think about can his size really equate to elite volume? Probably not. And similar to what I said for Javante, he also ran behind one of the best offensive lines in the country because they both were at North Carolina. So that's kind of the prospect notes I had on Carter. And, I mean, the backfield is for his his for the taking, you know. I think he could certainly be a a one A, and and Tevin Coleman could be a one B if uh, things go according to plan here. And uh, I don't know. I, I think, although I wouldn't have probably taken him until uh, probably three or four picks later than he went in this draft. I I don't completely hate him being taken at one point ten if if you really need a running back. So I. I have a really hard time justifying uh, taking a guy that was a day three pick. I understand you said only like 15 picks later than Trey Sermon, but um, I do focus a good amount on the analytics side. And there's just such a low success rate with guys that were 
taken in the fourth round or later. Um, I, I do think he's explosive, um, but he's also, in my mind, just a change of pace back. Again, just like Fred Sermon, I don't think he's going to ever dominate uh, the backfield or like be the only running back in a backfield. I will warn you guys, I, I think a lot of people are going to fall into the trap of saying this guy's a great value in redraft his rookie year. He's going to be the leader of the backfield. There's no one else there. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that he's going to start off really slow. I think they're going to get Tevin Coleman and Michael P. Ryan more involved than him for the first couple of weeks. And then he'll slowly start to ease his way into it. But I really, I'm not sure. Maybe he'll be the 1A towards the end of the season. But I think the majority of the season, it's going to be pretty split between not just two, but maybe three guys. So. I don't love it. And then couple that with the fact that the Jets are not going to be very good this year and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I just don't really see the value in him for his rookie year. And down the line, I think he can be, you know, a, a perennial, maybe like high end wide, uh, running back three, but I, I don't see him being much more than that. That's certainly fair. And I don't know where I heard this as well, but, it just shows the contrast between the depth of this class and in 2020, which had incredible depth at the running back position because Carter fourth round running back selected by the jets P Ryan fourth round running back selected by the jets. Where did Carter go in rookie drafts? End of the first round. Where did P Ryan go in rookie drafts? End of the third round. So it's not, it's night and day. What the, what the depth of last year's class versus this year is like and I don't know the reason why. Think about this too. ETN and Harris were supposed to be in last year's class. If they declared yeah. it when they could have when they were eligible to. So think about that. That would have been absolutely crazy. That would have been really bad. Yeah, and last year would have been even better. So Exactly. And I I think it's not just at the running back position. I think it's overall. I mean, I don't know. Jamar Chase, yeah, you got Kyle Pitts too, but like after the top few guys man, the 2020 class is so much deeper and just so much better overall. Right. And I, I, I did mean to bring that up in the beginning of the show here. Uh, but we're, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time talking about this episode here on the third and fourth round guys, but I really didn't like really any of them, to be honest. It was super weak as after it got past, like, I had a few second rounders. Um, I even I traded up from the end of the second to the middle of the second just so I could have a little bit more capital in the further up in the draft because it was just so weak in my opinion. So, um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's it on Carter. We'll move on to the eleventh pick, which was his teammate, right, Elijah Moore. He was yep. picked. Well, the this the, the, the yeah. same franchise had a eleventh and twelfth pick in our draft. And they and they picked uh, both Moors. So, but technically, he picked Elijah Moore first. So we will talk about him at one point eleven. And I believe that is me who's going to be talking about Moore. So uh, I will do so now when I pull up the notes. I really I like Elijah Moore a lot. Um, very smart route runner. There were times where I saw that his routes weren't super crisp but he was just smart i don't know if that makes any sense but i just i just think he was like savvy in the way he got open i guess you could say very good yards after the catch he took a lot of um 
he got extra yards where you didn't necessarily think he would. So I really liked his yards after the catch ability, very shifty. And I mean, if he played a full season, uh, I mean, his, his production would have been right up there with Smith's Devonte Smith's to be honest. I mean, he had 86 catches, 1200 yards and eight touchdowns in eight games. Wow. So his production would have been right up there with it's like 150 yards a game. I know. I think I stat, I, I, projected that out to 13 games and i am not 100 percent certain but i think it was like 140 catches for 1800 yards and 13 touchdowns dude he runs a slant and then takes it 80 yards for a touchdown <laughs> i know he he's he's very good um so the only thing i mean i guess you could say i really didn't like in his game i guess was he, i mean he is a little bit on the smaller side but i mean it's fine i guess there are there's a lot of small receivers in this class so it's not like he's out of the norm in that regard. I mean, we'll talk about Rondell Moore in a second, and he's Rondell Moore's like five two, and he's like three inches shorter than him. So there's that. I mean, he's not a he's not a good blocker at all uh, on run plays. So I mean, that doesn't really affect fantasy that much. And like I said about his routes, I mean, I definitely think he could still work on that. And it was they were more just savvy and smart as opposed to like crisp and really refined. So I think he can work on that as well. Um, you'd think because of his small stature, he'd only be limited to the slot, but he definitely can play both outside and in. I don't think he's, he should be just pigeonholed into a slot receiver. So I think he can, he's a little bit versatile in that regard. And he's got decent draft capital. I know it's a little bit crowded of a situation right now, but I mean, I know all the coaches are super high in rookies right now in mini camp and how everyone's the, the second coming of Jerry Rice, but I've heard really good things so far. So that's, uh, I, I've even heard he's been doing better than Denzel Mims, which is. Yeah. I've heard a lot of Denzel Mims. Like he stinks. Brander. Like he's with the second, second team, like Braxton Barrios is ahead of him in camp. Like, I don't know. I have heard a lot of it because of the scheme that they're trying to run. It doesn't really fit the scheme too well. Right. So his actual talent. That's fair. Right. So, I mean, the only thing else I have to say is I, I, I definitely think he, he, he was a good selection at 1.11. I think I even would have taken him, like, maybe even ninth, to be honest. So, I think this was a, a good uh, good pick here at the end of the first. He was my ninth prospect as well. Um, you, you touched on a lot of his upside. Um, slot wide receiver, great route runner, great uh, – well, solid route runner, great uh, – yards after the catch um can do a lot with the ball on his hands he was used a lot as a gadget receiver um but also i, I think he was pretty much the wide receiver one his, he was the wide receiver one on his team um this past season so i think he he has a lot of potential and i think he'd be really solid but because he's probably going to play in the slot his entire career i would assume um i i don't think he's ever going to be you know a, a dominant player um, slot receivers tend to be higher volume, but, um, you know, they, they won't get as many touchdowns and they won't get as many yards typically. Um, he does have explosive ability, so maybe he can, he can be one of those exceptions, but for the most part, I think he's, he's a solid prospect, but I think his upside's limited. Um, like you said, he's getting a lot of hype in camp right now. Crowder is still there. And I, I think Crowder is going to start over him. I don't really know how that's going to shake out. 
Um, but they restructured his deal, so he's not leaving. He's going to stay on, uh, at least till this season, and then they'll probably get rid of him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting offense because the Jets have always been so bad for the last few years, and now they have a new quarterback, new wide receiver, a, a young team overall, and I don't know how, how they're going to do this, this season. I was just going to only add that, that Ryan said. I guess I'll echo it then. Um, great prospects, as Mitchell harped on and both of you did. Um, but the I when they drafted him, I assumed that they were going to uh, – he was essentially going to be Jameson Crowder's replacement. And then at June 1st, whatever that day meant, uh, Crowder would be gone. But – they worked out a restructure that I think he's taking like half the money he was expected to get. So tapering my expectations for more Elijah Moore, like right away, but as a dynasty asset, that's, I think he's going to be good. Fair enough. Uh, we'll touch on Rondo more here before we'll move on to the, um, the second and third and fourth round. We were going to, I mean, we could talk about this all day, so we're kind of trying to consolidate a little bit here. So we're only going to touch on one guy each on the second round, and then we'll talk about one guy in the third and fourth round as a sleeper. Um, so just wanted to preface that as we get into the end of the show here. But we'll talk about Rondell Moore, uh, picked at 1.12, rounding out the first round here in our rookie draft. He went in the second round to the Arizona Cardinals. What uh is this Ryan for more? Yeah. Okay, yep. So five seven one eighty one. That's so. Um. Sad. Yeah, but he's built like a bowling ball. So I I was actually kind of. But should that be like a running back? Keep going. Go. Yeah. Yes, it should be a running back. Yeah. A running back, uh, I guess height and weight metrics, but um, I was kind of surprised at how his analytics ended up being 99th percentile breakout age. So he broke out his first year and he, I think he was pretty young his freshman year. So that's why he was so high in that regard. Um, but freshman year breakout is great. 72nd uh, percentile dominator rating and a 72, 72nd percentile uh, catch radius, which is kind of surprising. Um, he, like I said, he's built like a bowling ball. He's really quick. He can torch defenses and he can pack a hit for his size. It's kind of crazy. These guys trying to tackle him and he just barrels right through them. And I mean, I mentioned how much I liked seeing that with uh, Javante Williams. So seeing it with a wide receiver is just really impressive. The biggest concern, obviously, aside from his height, is that he, and the height's 5'7, whatever. You can still be good at 5'7, but his injury concerns are severe. Um, he's only played seven games in the last two seasons, uh, partially due to injury, partially due to opting out, but I'm just kind of worried. He's first of all, they're just going to be injury plagued his entire career. And second, are they going to have to manufacture, are the Cardinals going to have to manufacture touches for him? Um, cause sure that might work in the short term, but we've seen with guys like Cordell Patterson, um, and who, Percy Harvin that. That's not sustained success. You can't continue to try to manufacture touches for a guy. Um, it gets to the point where it just harms the game plan. So that's my biggest concern with him. I think he can be really good, but he has massive, massive risk. I would say there's greater than a 50% chance that he's a, a quote-unquote bust. 
that's uh that's that's a really good analysis for Rondell Moore. I do have a a lot to say about him. I think he's probably the person I wrote the most notes for, to be honest, because I I'm really rooting for him. I really want him to succeed, not only for Kyler's sake, because I guess the Cardinals are. I, I don't know. I love the Cardinals. Like they they're just I just love watching them just for Kyler Murray and just the team overall. But I just have a lot written down for Rondell Moore, so I'll try to keep it a little bit concise. As you mentioned, he has great burst off of off of the line of scrimmage, and as you mentioned as well, Ryan, he's very strong for his size. Um, he's a uh, he's thick, like he's just he's a built guy. Um, great balance, broke as broke broke out as a true freshman, as you mentioned. I mean, he had 114 catches his freshman year, which is absurd, and 14 total touchdowns. His film was his freshman film is so fun to watch. Like you really watch it if you haven't looked at it. Um, he he doesn't take any plays off, so like he's just awesome to watch. And I that's why I really want him to succeed. On the flip side of that, obviously a lot of negatives as well. Most notably the injury history. He um in he he probably would have he'd be an outlier if he had major success at the NFL level. I mean five seven is really small. I, I he can be kind of I think he could be kind of viewed as a, as a gadget gimmick type of guy as you mentioned so I do worry about that <clears throat> didn't run super deep routes either he, a lot of his work was closer to the line of scrimmage a lot of low a dot targets I I do think he does have the potential to get underneath defenses though yeah but I think his I, I think his get past defenders <laughs> right you're right yeah he he's he's fast but. I mean, I I think he had like seven yards per catch one year. Yeah, which is absurdly low. So I don't know. I don't know if you have anything to add, Jack. Uh, nope. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's move All right. on to the second round. Go ahead, Mitchell. Yeah. So we'll be uh, we each picked a guy in the second round here. I guess I can quickly read off the second round selections uh, when we talk about a couple, but. At um, 2.1, Terrace Marshall, which was my first selection in this draft. Uh, 2.2, Chuba Hubbard. 2.3, Amon Ross St. Brown. 2.4, Trevor Lawrence. 2.5, Deami Brown. Uh, 2.6, Kadarius Toney. 2.7, Amari Rogers. 2.8, Pat Fryermuth. 2.9, Justin Fields. 2.10, Kenneth Gainwell. Two eleven Elijah Mitchell and two, uh, sorry, two eleven Elijah Mitchell, two twelve Trey Lance. So that was yep. the second round, and um, so I have the first player there. Um, I'm going to be talking about Diami Brown, who was drafted at two o five. I really like Diami Brown. I'm I'm really surprised that he went as early as he did because I didn't think everyone else was going to be as high on him as I was. Um, he was my actually my 14th overall prospect, so I would have taken him as early as 202. Um, really thought he was going to fall to me there at 209. Unfortunately, he did not. But um, let me pull up my notes real quick. So. I think he's seen as a deep throw. Oh, he, he uh, I should say, he went to the Washington uh, football team in the third round. Um, trying to see when he went at three, so middle of the third round. Um, not 
I guess now it's kind of considered a crowded wide receiver room because they added um, who did they add? Samuel. Yeah, Curtis Samuel, who is is a decent wide receiver. Um, kind of broke out last year, but but prior to that, he was kind of underwhelming. So I don't necessarily know if he's going to be you know that that long term wide receiver two on that team. Regardless, um, Dami Brown, I think initially is just seen as kind of a deep threat, but I think he can be way more than that. Um, he can, he's really good at getting off the line. I think he's really good at exploiting zones and allowing himself to get open. Um, he's his quick feet, I think, like keeps defenders on their toes. Um, so that also helps with his route running, and he can be physical when he doesn't get separation. I wouldn't say he um excels at getting separation but even when he doesn't he can still be physical and go up and get that 50 50 ball um i I do think he'll be one of those low volume um high yards per reception guy so like a deep threat but i i do think he has potential to be more than that and be a more dynamic wide receiver than some people are giving him credit for so i really like the pick really upset i didn't get him maybe one day he'll be on my team but for now i get to watch him play on Connor's team. <laughs> yeah, I I, I uh, didn't dive too much into him from what I from what I know. I mean, maybe it's just me following along as uh, in the common narrative that he is kind of just limited to a uh, a deep threat, but that's kind of the the narr- the the image I have him in, in my mind. So, maybe that's a fault on me for not quite looking into him as, as, as much as uh, he deserved, uh, you know, maybe I'm not, I'm, I'm selling him short just because I didn't research him as quite as much as I would have liked to, but, um, but yeah, I, I think it's an appropriate range for him at two, five. I probably would have uh, maybe started to consider him around, I'd say maybe two, eight. So I, I, I wouldn't consider that yeah, it's like a egregious reach or anything, but probably would have uh, maybe a little bit towards the back half of the second round for me personally uh, for Brown. So uh, anything to add on him, Jack? Um, He's personally off my radar. I've said it several times that I'm a, I am a big situational person with fancy players. Uh, He's McLaurin's obviously their one. They, Ron Rivera made a point to reunite with a guy he drafted in Curtis Samuel. He's going to be used. Um, Gibson and McKissick catch passes out of the backfield. Logan Thomas had a great season. I just think there's too many, uh, too many other guys to compete with. Um, and all, I mean, going back to last year's draft, um, I Diamond Brown was a third round pick this year. Like Gandy Golden and like what's the other guy's name? Kelvin Harmon. They were both like mid round draft Kelvin capital. In the six. Oh, okay. Um I and don't I know. Think, I think Gandy Golden was the fourth. Okay, so I guess they invested more in Brown, but still like he in receiving order, he's like fourth on the pecking order, fifth. Um which Fitzpatrick I mean maybe he can like support that high volume and to spread around but like he's not gonna be there forever so i don't know i'm wary about him 
I just think it's interesting. I know this this doesn't really have anything to do with Brown specifically, but it's just the uh, the beauty of, of fantasy football and, and dynasty in general of how we, we kind of I feel like we all have different approaches in, in looking at these players, which I think is definitely interesting. I mean, I I really enjoy looking at the film of these players and taking them as uh, as they're really at their prospect core and trying to fade not fade, but not put too much emphasis on where they land. Ryan seems like he's really into the, the analytics and the, and the numbers part of it. And then Jack really takes, considers more of their, where they went in the draft and what, what the team situation is. So I think right. it's definitely interesting how all three of us kind of a different philosophy on how we, how we view players. So sure. I want to, uh, to mention that as well. Um, but my player I have is actually taken before uh, Brown. I have Lawrence who went at 204. Oh. My bad. <laughs> That's all right. It's all good. Um, which was my selection as well. He was my second selection in this draft, and I was absolutely ecstatic that Lawrence got to me at 2.4. I was totally not expecting it at all. I was almost certain that he was going to go in the back half of the first round, um, but he got to me at 204, and I played a little bit of a game here, uh, the, the waiting game, because I had 2.1. I have Kyler Murray as my quarterback, don't really have a backup. It's only Jimmy Garoppolo, which is far from stability at your backup quarterback position. So I really needed a quarterback here in this draft, and this is a really good uh, draft to get a quarterback in because it's one of the, the strengths of this class. However, I, although Lawrence made it to me in the second round at 2.1, I'm a big Justin Fields guy, which I don't believe we'll have. Uh, we'll get to talk about him here today. But love Justin Fields, and I was um, – even happy, I would have been content with Trey Lance too. I think he's got some fantasy upside as well. So I wanted to take Marshall at 2.1 and I was going to just let it play out and see whatever quarterback can get at 2.4 and I would have been happy with Fields as well. But Lawrence got to me at 2.4, surprisingly. I was I was absolutely shocked that he made it even further. Um, and I just think, in my opinion, I just think it was a big mistake to take Hubbard and St. Brown over him. I think that was a, a very big mistake. So Lawrence, I mean, not much has to be said about him other than, I mean, if you're just looking at it from a very basic standpoint, I mean, he's got to be the safest player in the draft, right? I mean, in terms of fantasy, like year one right now, his ADP, I believe, is quarterback 15. So a mid to high end quarterback two year one. I think that's a realistic expectation for him. I think he could throw for with the 17 game season, I think he can get to 4,000 yards. I think he can throw anywhere from 26 to 28 touchdowns and probably, you know, 12 or less picks with some rushing upside as well. I think he'll be really solid there. And, you know, if Trevor Lawrence busts, I'm not going to blame myself for it. You know what I mean? So, because me and everyone else in the entire world would be wrong. So, Right. I'm absolutely confident then in my Kyler and Lawrence duo going forward. And I hope I never have to address the quarterback position in the rookie draft for 15 years. So, um, you, Trevor where, Lawrence will be good. Where, where yeah. do you, where would you read? We, we don't have to talk too much about him because obviously we know he, he's by all indications going to be a very good pro, but where were you guys surprised of where he went? Because, I mean, it seems like in general, I mean, if you look at all the quarterbacks, our league wasn't super high on them. 
it kind of fell a little bit. So where would you guys have taken Trevor Lawrence? I'm curious. I'm, I'm very surprised that Connor didn't take him at the end of the first. Yeah, I me too. At the end of the first, I just really thought that was the direction Connor was going, especially right. since he traded away Lamar Jackson. Um, I thought that was locked in. So it kind of threw off my board when he went because I anticipated Trevor Lawrence being gone and then at least one more quarterback, um, whether it be Mitchell or Kim, because they were both kind of quarterback needy. Um, but I think that's great value. I would I have him at 203 on my big board. So, and I thought that was kind of low on him. I mean, the consensus was like 10th overall. So. Uh. Yeah, I think where you got him is fair. I really just don't value the quarterback position that much in our one quarterback dynasty league. I value it less. I think we, I mean as league as a league as a whole, we value it less than other dynasty leagues do. Um, I think where you got him is right where I'd get him. I would have taken. I would have taken St. Brown over him. I would have. That's also. a mistake. Oh wait, wait. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would have taken Diami Brown over him, though. No, St. Brown. I think St. Brown's a great prospect. I like his situation. Um, I, I also like him a lot, but I don't like his fourth round draft capital. Anyway. I want to – never mind. <laughs> I, we, can, we can get into St. Brown. Should I – no, I'll, I want to stick to my guy if we want to switch and transition now. Yeah, we can. Jack's guy is uh, Kadarius Tony, who went at um, 2.6, which I, who is also my pick. I traded uh, 2.12 and 3.10 for 2.6, which I was more than happy to do. I do not care about 3.10 at all. Yeah, that was a steal. So, so I was inside between going with Saint, talking about St. Brown or Tony. I like St. Brown a lot, as I just said, but we talked a lot about. Uh, these rookies that we like and all the good things about them. And I just want to say Kadarius Tony stinks. <laughs> and it's an awful pick. And um, yeah, open open forum. What do you guys think? I surprisingly like this film. I, I, uh, I don't know. I think he was definitely a reach in the first round. But I didn't mind this film. I don't, from a fantasy perspective, I like him less than I do as an actual player. Agreed. Um, and that's my whole point. Okay. I was say. So, so that's, that's fair. But I think as in terms of just the prospect, I think he's, um, you know, right up there with Elijah Moore, St. Brown, Diana Brown. Um, I don't know. I disagree with that. Um, I don't think he should be that high. Like, a lot of memes you see out there is that they took Tavon Austin to 2.0 in the first round. And like, I don't disagree with that. Like you check his football, his college stats, his position is not even wide receiver for his freshman to junior year. It's UT, which is just utility. Um, and like his <laughs> athlete. <laughs> yeah. There should have been ATH. Um, but like they, his film's probably exciting because like he made some great plays and like he could benefit them as a football team. I mean, as much benefit as he's gonna give them, it's still an overdraft at the first round. Like they didn't even want him. Like they wanted Devonta Smith, and then the Eagles got him, so they traded back. So that is kind of telling to me he really wasn't in their plans. Um and also Daniel Jones is so awful. And they bring in Kenny Galladay. 
Um, and Saquon's coming back this year, who he's going to get a lot of targets. Kenny Galladay warrants a ton of targets. Um, Sterling Shepard, when he's healthy, and Slayton is a very good wide receiver, in my opinion. I think he should have been their locked wide receiver, too. Um, I really didn't think – I they should have went O-line in this pick, but um, – yeah, a lot of Kadarius, Tony Slander, Mitchell Chad defended. Go. Can I speak now? Okay, thanks. I mean, I don't know if I've ever been more confused or had more mixed emotions about a player than Kadarius Tony, to be honest. Yes, this was my pick. Yes, I traded up to get him but I have just as many bad things as good things to say about him. So I want to start by saying that. <laughs> Jack's face is just very confused as well. So, Kadarius Tony. I mean, you watch him play, and he is so shifty. I mean, he is absolutely amazing with the ball in his hands, and he can change directions similar, honestly, to Jalen Waddle. Like, he is so good at that like it's 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 unbelievable to be honest and he has great burst like from like when he reaches about 10 yards like the way he can like burst is crazy as well and he i think he has similar yards after the catchability to elijah moore i think that is, they're right up there with top in the class to be honest so those are all really good things about him he's super fast and like his game speed you, some people just have like straight line speed other people have game speed. Like you can see, you can just see the game breaking speed ability of Tony. In terms of the cons, in a very late breakout, I don't even know if he technically quote unquote broke out at all. He has a little bit of an injury Great. concern. As you said, Jack, he he wasn't even a wide receiver. Um, he's still very new to the position, so he his routes aren't very good at all, to be honest, from what I saw personally. And other people I've, I've kind of heard mixed reviews on as well. He had a lot of body catches. His hands are kind of questionable. So overall, he's just still learning the position, to be honest. I think he was found with a gun in his car at one point. He has a lot of kind of like character concerns as well. I've actually heard reports even early on at Giants camp that he something is weird going on as well. So that's something as well. You mentioned Dave, uh, excuse me, Daniel Jones, how he's questionable at best, and is this is a his last chance to prove himself. Giants have a lot of competition for targets, so I don't like that as well. Uh, and an argument I've heard from TJ of all people that you know he deserved to go in the first round because not only did Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants select him. Urban Meyer, which is true, I've heard Urban Meyer really wanted him at pick 25 and it was quote-unquote heartbroken when he was selected before. So he's like, oh, two teams wanted to get him in the first round. But in my opinion, I think Urban Meyer and Dave Gettleman are, are two not very smart uh, GMs or head slash head coaches. So I don't really have to put too much stock into what they have to say. and I don't really care what they have to say. So Agreed. I'll, I'll take their opinion with a grain of salt, to be honest. And so that I don't really care about that. All in all, to summarize why I selected Tony, 
obviously I'm very conflicted about him. I'm just hoping that with his athleticism that was very unique to me and his first round draft capital, I'm hoping that it is somewhat of a Brandon Ayuk situation where people kind of overlooked him and he slid down in the draft. Ayuk was drafted in the end of the second round in our rookie draft. I'm hoping it's a very similar situation to that and not expecting anything from him, but if he turns out to be good, I will certainly take it. And I think he represented a tear break in my opinion. I initially thought people were overrating him, but then I think so many people were like, I don't want anything to do with him that I think he slid to a point where I feel like I had to make a move to be honest. So I wasn't even anticipating that. And if you would have told me a week before the rookie draft that I was going to end up with Kadarius Tony and I was going to trade up for him, I would have said you're crazy, but it just played out that way. So that's kind of my defense of that. That was a big, long rant. I apologize. Would you believe me if I told you he was number 12 on my big board? Wow. Okay. Mostly due to the draft capital. Um, I, I don't know. It's tough. But I think we talked about him a good amount. Should we move on to our sleepers? Yeah, so we'll end the show here with three, uh, one guy each. Um, brief 30 seconds to a minute on a couple guys in the, in the third and fourth round. I mentioned earlier that I did not think this class was deep at all, and I still stand by that. There are a few guys that, you know, maybe one or two guys uh, that I think are, have potential. So we will start with uh, Jack's first guy was selected, right? Okay. He was the first guy, so you can go ahead. It was uh, Cornell Powell out of Clemson who was uh, selected by the Kansas City Chiefs. And our rookie draft, he went uh, 3.6. So middle of the third round. What did you think about this, Jack? Um. I like him as a sleeper because I see him potentially being uh, Patrick Mahomes' second wide receiver. I am not a fan of Nicole Hardman, and I think that uh, Powell can jump Demarcus Robinson as their primary slot receiver. Uh, I mean, I know they took Hardman in the second round in 2019, and then also in draft capital terms, they took Robinson. He was a mid-round pick years ago. So I I do see him. He, I'm confident he'll jump Demarcus Robinson. And again, I, I'm not confident in Mikkel Harmon. So uh, I think it's a fantastic situation. Uh, in regards to his college production, not a super productive college receiver, I guess you could say. Um, but my defense that would be it's Clemson's got some pretty talented wide receivers. Well, I guess in recent history, what T Higgins, Hunter Renfro, Justin Ross, and Amari Rogers was him and Amari Rogers were their primary wide receivers last year. Um, but again, uh, also the situation I think is great because Sammy Watkins is gone. That leaves, I think like, a hundred targets up for like vacated targets. So, um, opportunity there. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think that's all I got. I didn't watch this film just from a, uh, situation perspective. I like it. Um, I think even though he might be the wide receiver too, he'll still be the third or fourth target, depending on how involved Clyde is 
um, because obviously they have Kelsey there. Um, But they're a high-powered offense. Um, They have a lot of mouths to feed, but because they score so much, they're able to feed all of those mouths. So I don't know. I think he has potential. Um, But again, nothing more than like a, a situational pick for me. Yeah. I mean, I really can't fault anyone for taking the, anyone they like at the mid to back end of the third round of a rookie draft and beyond. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, this is a this is a terrible pick at 306. I don't think it's a pick I would have personally made. I mean, end of the fifth round selection. And I, like Ryan said, there's wait, there's too many mouths to feed in my opinion. I think Hill and Kelsey just get force fed targets all day long and you know, at the very best, he, I think he's the fourth option. And that's that's really a stretch. So wouldn't have been my personal selection. I didn't have any picks in the third or fourth round. So, but he was not a direction I probably would have gone. So it wasn't for me. All right, Ryan is next. Uh, he's going to be talking about Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, who was selected in the third round by the LA Chargers. And in our rookie draft, he went 3.12 which this is a guy I do like. So he's not my sleeper though, but Ryan, uh, you can go ahead and talk about Palmer. Yeah. So it was funny after Josh Palmer went, me and Mitchell both talked and I told him that uh, Josh Palmer is actually the, my pretty much my two eleven. He was the 23rd overall player on my big board. And Mitchell said he had him, I think at 20 or 21. Um, so we were both high on this guy. Uh, and listen, I'm not going to say he's like, for like a for sure had diamond in the rough i would give him probably like a 70 75 percent chance to bust but again we're got these are guys going in the late third early fourth round um he had uh really bad quarterback play which i think hurt his uh potential a lot in college but when i watched this film he can high point the ball he's got great body control he's really acrobatic kind of reminded me of cd lamb in that aspect um physical, good hands. Um, he weighs 6'1", 210. So like, I think he's, he's perfectly built to be, um, honestly, a Mike Williams replacement because Mike Williams is probably going to be gone after this year. So maybe he can sit and learn for a year. I don't think he's going to do anything in his first year. Um, maybe he'll be the wide receiver four. Um, but the goal is that he'll be groomed into that wide receiver two spot later down the road um yeah it's a couple downsides to his film is that i do think he struggles with separation a little bit he's not one of those guys that's gonna always be open but like i said he can high point the ball and he's very physical and acrobatic so he's gonna be one of those 50 50 guys um and again his limited college production does hurt i think that was a big part due to his team and quarterback play um but I think he's just the guy that has potential, and I don't think that potential was uh, brought out by by his college team. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, obviously, he doesn't have eye popping or even decent numbers, to be honest. I don't think he's ever he even eclipsed 500 yards, um, if I'm not mistaken. But he, this is a guy that I feel like most analysts projected to go fourth maybe fifth round in the nfl draft charters picked them in the third so they used um decently high draft capital on them and i think that definitely caught my eye a little bit uh whereas like okay maybe there is something here and 
if a team does pick a guy higher than the draft experts and analysts project them to go, that, that proves that, you know, maybe they see something in him. And, you know, we all love Justin Herbert. I love Justin Herbert just as much as anyone else. And if, if they can get a guy Palmer here who can, who can slide into that wide receiver two role. And, you know, I mean, I mean, well, who do they have? Tyron Johnson. What's his name? Yep. Jalen Guyton. KJ Hill. Right. So they, these names are not super hard to beat out in my opinion. So if things go his way in camp and he can get off to a strong start, wouldn't surprise me if he's pushing for targets uh, year one. I'm not expecting it, but no, I think the upside is certainly there. And I think at this point in the draft, it was a, it would have been a no brainer selection for me. Um, and I will add real quick, his most receiving yards was 484 uh, his sophomore year, but he did have 475 his senior year, which believe it or not was good for a 23% target share, meaning their offense blew. Their That's terrible. That is um, but so but bad. that 23% is good enough to be considered a breakout. So he did technically break out in his senior year. Um, I like him a lot uh, because I love the situation he found himself in. I think he will be third in targets with the Chargers this year. Mm, Eckler. Are you saying over Mike Williams? Wow. Okay. <laughs> um they third round draft capital I like and most importantly I like Herbert and I think that he this year I think I made the claim just now he will be third in targets but I think in years to come he could find himself as Justin Herbert's second wide receiver um Keen Allen's getting old too so I mean I'm not gonna say he has the wide receiver one potential in the Chargers but like Maybe he could surprise some people and be that one day. That's kind of a little bit of a long shot, but it's the path is kind of there. And Herbert is fantastic. He's a high-volume passer. Um, so that bodes well for Josh Palmer. And he kept – no one was taking him. In the, I, I notoriously had nine straight fourth-round picks. No one was taking him. <laughs> I was getting a little hopeful he'd fall to me, but – He was not falling past 402. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess that's it on Josh Palmer. Yeah. All right. So the last guy we're going to talk about here was the last pick in our rookie draft, Mr. Irrelevant. Um, 4.12 went to uh, Jalen Darden, wide receiver out of North Texas that was selected in the fourth round by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like Jalen Darden a lot. I think he runs good routes. He uh, had really good production in his senior year. I mean, he went for he very Elijah Moore esque where he went for seventy four catches, eleven hundred ninety yards and nineteen touchdowns in nine games. Uh, obviously, you have to you know nerf that a little bit with uh, he's playing at North Texas, so it's a little bit less of a competition, you know, compared to Elijah Moore who's playing in the SEC. But you know, regardless, he still put up eye popping numbers. And even his junior, he had 12 touchdowns as well. So he had 31 touchdowns in his last 21 games. So that's really good. And he's really good in the open field, really good yards after the catch ability. 
Bucks picked him in the fourth round, uh, which was, again, slightly higher than he was projected to go. I think he was supposed to be a late round guy, probably round six. So taking a little bit earlier than people initially projected him to. I know the Bucks have a super crowded wide receiver core at the moment, but, you know, Antonio Brown is older. Um, Gronk's older. So, you know, Tyler Johnson is still unproven. So I think there's a chance he could maybe slide into, uh, I don't know, maybe push for a wide receiver three in his team. And if things go right, I don't know. I just think he's, he's a very good flyer in my opinion, a guy who put up those type of numbers can't really be ignored, even if it has a, at a, a, a lower level of competition. So I think it was certainly worth a stab here at the uh, 4.12. And I mean, if he went undrafted, I would have spent, um, I don't know, pretty sizable amount of fab on him. Um, I don't really have much to add aside from the past Mr. Irrelevance we've had in our draft was Hayden Hurst, Jalen Hurd, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. I would say of those three, only Donovan Peoples-Jones has a higher ADP than 412 right now. Um, so, yeah, that's all I have. Just wanted to add that little tidbit. Didn't Gabe Davis go uh, 4.11? Uh, I, I think he may have, or like 409 or something. Oh, yeah, no, pretty, 411. Yep. That was a pretty good pick at 411. So That was a good pick. Does Tyler still have him? I think he does. Also, Josh Allen went uh, – well, I mean, we only had three rounds back then, but he went kind of close to Mr. Relevant as well. So right. Herbert was like 406, I think. Yeah, Herbert so, I mean – Fourth round, yeah. I guess fourth round isn't completely worthless. That's why I tried to get nine of them. <laughs> and you succeeded in getting nine of them because you did. Yep. Like, one of them is going to be, like, okay. Congrats. Awesome. That'll really put you over the edge for your playoff push, Jack. Yep. All right. No explanation. Best value in the draft. Sorry. Let me pull up the draft board again. I got rid of it. I'm going to go with... Justin Fields. Ooh. Okay. Um, St. Brown. Okay. No way. How can you say it's the best value? He was taken at his, at his where high end. Two or three? No way. I, uh, I'm going to go. St. Brown or Josh Palmer? I'm going to go Josh Palmer. Or Tyrell Williams, or actually, you know what? No, 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 no. I'm going to go uh, Anthony Ferkser. Final answer. Nice. <laughs> uh, Anthony Ferkser, by the way, went at 404 because we do have free agents in our rookie drafts, and uh, Jack was able to scoop him up because people kind of forgot about him, and I would definitely pay more than the 404 for him right now. Yeah. I don't know about that. Well. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Hopefully this gave you a, a, a good snapshot on some of the rookies coming into the NFL draft. Um, hopefully some of the things we said may be even applicable to your redraft league. So you can maybe uh, take some of what we said uh, into your drafts in the upcoming 
uh, months here. And uh, certainly if you played Dynasty, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, I always love talking Dynasty. I, I, I mean, it's something I, 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 I do a lot in my free time, like scouting these players and everything. So honestly, I didn't really have to prepare much because all of this came out of my brain organically. So it's just something I can, we can all effortlessly talk about. And um, yeah, so it, it was a lot of fun. I, I always enjoy these episodes. So yeah. Um, thanks Ryan for hopping on and uh, thank you everyone for listening. And we will, um, we will catch you next time. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at hogline podcast. And uh, we, will, we will catch you next week on our episode. Let's All right, I gotta go, Mr. Cheese. <laughs> See you. Sure.